And welcome to your daily game face, right on the spot this morning. That's right. I'm <clears throat> I'm going to complain this morning, right out of the gate. Yeah, go right ahead. And we just were off air talking about how I was going to complain this morning and that people in broadcasting go right to complaints on a grand scale. That's why we're all in broadcasting. My grand scale complaint this morning was I walked in here and it was wonderful. And then I went into the bathroom, yep. that jailhouse bathroom, <laughs> and someone was smoking in the bathroom and I have asthma and now I'm all congested. <clears throat> and so I'm going to clear my was. throat for the next hour. What? I don't know who it was. It was bad, whatever. They had a good time in there, let yeah. me tell you, because it was quite... There are only so many people in the building at this point, so... I know. There's not. I know. I'm trying yeah. to figure out. And there's no one up here, but nonetheless, somebody Yeah, see, has... that's a problem for me. <laughs> what? That no one's up here? No, I, well, Dave's up here, but... We're the uh, it's Dave! Ah! No, it's not Dave. Oh. We're... <laughs> he's too... He's too, uh... Perfectionistic. No, he, not perfectionistic. He wouldn't want to get himself he, in trouble. No, he wouldn't. He wouldn't smoke. No. It's just not his thing. <laughs> I don't know what you're trying to tell me. Okay, well, what's the problem? Tell me what the problem was. We're the only people up here. Right. And then what happens is you stop doing a show at the top of the hour. Yes. Theoretically. Theoretically. And you go to the bathroom, and somebody's using it. It's like it's an, it's an on-air bathroom. It's, at the top of the hour, you should leave the bathroom alone for the on-air staff. Well, that's not happening, because clearly someone's in there I smoking know. in the boys' room. <laughs> Because not girls. There's no girls up here except for me. I was very good friends with Cub Coda. Oh, yeah? From Brownsville Station. Yes, wow. he used to live in Amesbury. Oh, wow. For a That's while. Cool. I recorded his, he had a blues band. Oh, wow. That's yeah. really cool. Recorded them live at uh, Al's Truck Stop, if you remember that. <laughs> I do. On 150. <laughs> That's awesome. And recorded them live in Vermont with that, with that band. And he was just oh, the coolest wow. guy. That's really cool. Yep. Oh, in Vermont. Where in Vermont? See, I look Burlington. at it, I'm draining from my eye. Already? That's all it took? Uh, yeah, I'm highly allergic to smoke. This yeah. is why I've never been a smoker, never had smoke, can't smoke, can't be around smoke because this is what it does to oh. me. <laughs> there goes the show. Well, on your way it's out. The health and wellness issue is that as an asthmatic, it emotionally devastates you when you all of a sudden can't breathe and <clears throat> are all congested. Well, report to the front office because I can't do it for you because well, the, the, I'll be ignored. Hear my show I'll be ignored. Yeah. They're going to be like, wow, Dr. Nobody Landon is complaining about the smoking in yeah. the bathroom. Um, so, well, that wasn't where I was going to. Well, that'll be different because normally up here it's the temperature in the studio, as you know. Yes, but I dressed today for the freezing temperature of the studio. Yeah, well, it's, as not, it's not always freezing, but yeah. Well, sometimes in it's my experience, terribly hot. But. Excuse me, but in my experience, because it's my perception, my reality, as you know, in this field, that it is freezing usually in here. It's not that today. Yep. <laughs> it's going to be a debate day. I'm <laughs> going with the smoke <laughs> thing. That's not what I came in to talk about today. So how was your Thanksgiving? Oh, my Thanksgiving was great. Yeah, was it nice and quiet? Oh, yeah. Yeah, did you eat really good food? No, well, yes. Oh, that was kind of hesitant. No, well, I didn't yes. have I didn't have the Thanksgiving meal. Oh, you had lobster. First of all, I had time to myself, which was great. I could watch football. Uh huh. No, I, I had a good that. I had a good steak. Oh. I made a steak for oh, myself. Yeah. Very nice. Yep. Very nice. I had lots of turkey. Yeah. And you know the typical semi healthy. Yep. Some things and really healthy other things. Yep. As as I try to practice what I preach. How'd it work out? It was good. Yeah. yeah. I didn't overeat. I had Brussels sprouts with the steak. Uh, so. I did not have, I had Brussels sprouts ready and then I didn't make them because I had made. <laughs> How do you make them? How do I make them? Yeah. 
Um, it's a, it's it's sinful. It's with, with bacon. <laughs> oh, see, do, good, excellent. Oh, I do them with yes. Well, when I'm doing healthy, just straight healthy, which is normal, I just steam them and put a little balsamic on them. But for a holiday, I will put them in bacon and bacon fat and goose or or some kind of poultry fat and cook them together and put pine nuts in them. And they're delicious. Oh, yeah, that sounds great, actually. <laughs> they're really good. They I, are not on the healthy plan. They are on the ugh. I will not disclose the date, so I don't run, in, run afoul of Massachusetts, but I was at the Friendly Toast in Portsmouth. Okay. And they have a hollandaise, but they have several different hollandaise options, one okay. of which is a hollandaise sauce with bacon fat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah. Anything with bacon is delicious. Yeah, it was excellent. Unless, of course, you're vegan. No, yep. It's not. But... <laughs> no, so... even if you're vegan, it's delicious. Yeah. Oh, you... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you may not like it or want it, but it's delicious. It is delicious, yeah. but they wouldn't eat it. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I'm sorry that I keep clearing my you throat. Deal, you deal with teenagers a lot. I do. What percentage of teenage girls go through a vegetarian phase, at least a vegetarian phase? It's I'm going to really... say 98%. <laughs> well, that, well, I don't know if it's that high. Yeah. So I would. I don't have the research statistics on that officially, but in Just my anecdotally, anecdotal, yeah. In my anecdotal practice evidence over the past 24 years, I would say. I would say 75 to 80 yeah. percent of teenagers somewhere between the ages of 11 tweeners i would say 11 and 17 yep so it's a you know you get younger kids it's interesting because now you i'm thinking about all the different things that come up but if you get kids who are really um uh health and wellness minded in general like an athlete they tend to almost always and and it's not just it's not just girls i have i have a couple teenage boys that are highly into athletes yes going going uh, vegetarian going vegetarian yeah um wrestlers <clears throat> really know, guys that are trying to make weight that kind of thing oh okay you yeah, know and, fair then, enough, and yeah. doing protein sources but from there regular, are guys right th there are guys and i was one of them at that time right that when you say make weight for us it was a different problem we have to get up we right to, we get the weight up so now they're trying to drop weight yeah because they're trying to get into a lighter weight yeah. category i remember one hockey team i get told come back 10 pounds heavier or don't come back right <laughs> And I that did come back. That would be back. destroying for someone like me. I'd yeah. be like, no, yeah. I can't gain more weight. I made weight and then lost it in like the first practice. Right. Lost, so, lost about half of it in the first practice. Well, so it's interesting because yeah. I have I have um, interesting dilemma like because it's a it's a it's a mental state to get into drop and to gain weight. Mm -hmm. So I have athletes on one end of the spectrum in the teen. You know, they're always in the teenage years and around this kind of stuff, but that are trying to drop weight for something. And then I've got athletes that are like football and hockey players and whatever, trying to go up on the weight. So from one client to the next some days I have, we're working on mindset to keep the weight down and keep it healthy. Yep. And then on the other side, I'm trying to help person get <laughs> their weight up. So, um, but I think, but in you asked for girls specifically, I think that I would say 80% of girls in general, even if yeah. it's not an athlete, athlete, they go through that kind well, of Well, I raised things. one, had a niece. Yeah. My girlfriend's got a 15-year-old daughter now, and not only them, but everybody in contact with them that I'm aware of goes through a vegetarian phase. So so I would say that there's, at least it's so mainstream now and pushed at you on social media that, yeah. and it's not new. So if we go back 20 years ago when I was first teaching and doing other stuff, and there's, um, you know, the products from Dove, Dove 
skincare yeah. dove the dove line right so the dove line did a big push and you can look this up later and anyone that's listening can certainly go they did a big push um for a campaign for women pitching it towards young girls about you know what you see what you eat what you know how you look oh, okay. isn't always what you see on billboards and all that i remember the they had a body campaign too that right accepting accepting, accepting all body what, yeah what you look like yeah. versus what you think is what being shown right. so um their <clears throat> their campaign had some nutritional things and things for young girls to really look at around you know how to eat right and so i think that since then, and it could be just because I noted that in my head, used it in my teaching um, videos and things like that, because it was amazing and yep. it still is, is that I see a trend in, in people just getting caught up in how do I get healthier? How do I eat healthy? Or how do I... So there's that piece, but then there's also how do I keep up with the other girls? This is a common psychological problem. How do I keep up with the other girls that are really thin? Oh, I see. Or that they're yeah. perceiving are so thin and look so pretty and have, you know, perfect white teeth or they're skinny, skinny and can fit into the skinny jean and the bikini. And, and their friend, you know, these are their comparison points to friends that they see. Yeah. And so they've got the social media pushing, you know, I know TikTok, I see TikToks on my niece's stuff all the time. And I see <laughs> it's about body image and right. how to eat and what to eat. And, you know, they're doing this, the, the fasting method and vegetarian and vegan. And, and so there's lots of questions always going around yeah. about that. And I've seen the trend go more and more in the past, I would say not the 20 years, but I've just seen the trend going that way. But I would say more and more in the past five years. It's ironic because all these girls that I've been in contact with have been that body type that they could eat anything. Right. And it wouldn't bother them like I was until my mid 20s. And it's like, you shouldn't be. I don't know if that's their worry. I, I think mostly what I've come in contact with, it's more about concern for animals and things like that. Just a, a trouble with trouble with reconcil reconciling eating animals. Oh, so. So let me see. I would say that I have some of that. But more because of, I think, selectively of what I do for a living and who comes to me. Yeah. I think it's more about the body dysmorphic, body type, yeah. body, type mm -hmm. body feel, uh, the mental um, mindset around what one's look is versus how they feel versus how they're perceived. Um, occasionally it's about eating out of a, a reason of animals versus not. Um, but really rarely, at least in my practice. Yeah. So... Um, but I would imagine in more mainstream, it's probably bigger than that. But I, I just yeah. think in my practice, because people have more of the body dys dysmorphic, they distort the way that they see themselves and, and or not, they don't see themselves the right, yep. you know, they, they distort it the other way. You know, it could be that they think that they're very, I have, I have a couple of clients that think that they're incredibly thin and they're not in terms of like, look, yeah. Um, and I don't focus on that, but that's what their focus is. And I always go to, how do you feel? Let's change things to make it so we get a good mindset with a body feel. And they're so disconnected. It's it's quite <laughs> yeah. something because you you usually go towards the other side of people feeling like they're not thin enough. Yeah. And it's the opposite. And it's really hyper-focused on the body instead of it just being like, how do you feel in your clothes? Like, I don't have people weigh themselves, which is, you know, right, right along the lines of nutritionists. You know, most nutritionists will say there's no obsessive weighing. We're not going to weigh every day. We're not going to yep. weigh every week. We're going to weigh once a month, if that. Um, but people get obsessed with the scale. must be tough for them. If it's a body image thing, it must be tough for girls, teenage girls these days because 
um, and again, this is through personal experience. As a teenager. You con- yeah, as a teenager, yeah, and having teenage <laughs> girls around, they're constantly taking pictures of themselves. Oh, yes. So they're constantly seeing, and you know, I know I don't get, I don't get body conscious until I see myself in a picture. Right. So, and they're doing it constantly. It's all the time. Plus, it's being compared to other other people and other kids. Right. That's got to be a tremendous amount of pressure. Well, and so, and that was what I was saying at the beginning is that the social the social media push, like TikTok. So, you know what TikTok is, right? Okay. So, so TikTok has such a. I think it's a huge pressure. I mean, it's great. I think it's fun and it's it's cute and it's all kinds of great things. But there's so much um, to live up to. It is the best time burner on the planet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. There's there's so much to live up to because yep. there's very specific um, movers and shakers on TikTok, just like there were on have been on Instagram and Facebook for you know yep. you know social media game changers kind of thing, and influencers, which is always amazing to me <laughs> that um that they're influencing heavily the mindset of how people should look and be and whatever. And I often there's a couple I won't name them, but there's a couple TikTokers that are, are girls that are out there that are teenager you know right on the cusp of 18 19 that have come up through the past year or two and they're super fit super thin they have sponsors like and to yep. explain this to a 14 year old who wants to look like that and and to get them convinced that hey they've been doing this for a while they have the money and resources to be training and yes. being fit all the time they have makeup people, they have hairstylists, they have all these things that it's not reasonable to think that you're going to be able to go to school, go to work, because this 14-year-old in particular I'm thinking of goes to work, and take care of like a sibling that's a little younger, yeah. and be able to work out six or seven hours a day and then be a TikTok influencer, right. because it's just not reality. That's because the girl that they're emulating isn't has, doesn't have any of those responsibilities. Right. And but it's but being who she is is her job, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's you know it's kind of like when you know when Hollywood stars, God love them, and I love some of them. You know yep. that I I see are great, but you look at them and you have to always put it in perspective. They they do their filming yep. for their short period of time, make this great thing, and then they've got seven or eight months to work out all the time yeah. and have a chef and do all these things and you know real life doesn't you know that's their real life but real life for the majority of people mental health wise and physically that's just not possible and reminding clients um because i when i teach my class on um you know perception of self and body image and things like that it's it's about how does one um compare oneself realistically to the ideal image that you might have so i ask people to look at hey who would you see as an ideal image and then, you know, I have the, you know, each class person, you know, classmate pick somebody and then tell me why. Yeah. And. Oh, that's interesting. And so nine times out of 10, it's about someone who looks a certain way, right? And mm-hmm. has like a certain body image and it's usually either they're muscular, they're pretty, they have perfect hair, they have perfect whatever. And then the other one is, is it, it's always interesting to see. There's always one in my class that will pick somebody that looks like they have money. Looks like they have money. Looks like they have money. So yeah. they're dressed. They 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 idealize this person because it looks like they have money. The mm-hmm. suit or the dress or the. I'm shirt. guessing a celebrity more often than not. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Sometimes, occasionally, it's just a random picture a, of someone saying okay. this is what they idealize. Oh, I see. Yep. But m- most of the time, it's someone that they see as a that's a celebrity and has a name. So, but 
but for the nine times out of the 10, it's always about what they look like. Mm. And, and so I asked them, well, what about, what if they're not a good person? What if they have done some not so nice things? And it's, it goes right, it's, it's doesn't matter. How it's often do they, when that comes up, and sometimes it's a random picture, I get that, but when we're talking about celebrities, how often is it the character and how often is it the, the celebrity himself? Um, I, I, that's a good question because I think it gets very convoluted and yeah. mixed up because I think that characters are cultivated. Characters are right. designed to elicit certain responses. Well, and I think that that's one of the things that has made popular um, reality TV is because oh, yeah. right. That's it's, a blurred line. It's the blurring of that yeah. line. Is that now it's not you know we'll go back to the Kardashians like we did. A, <laughs> that's a show that I got lots of feedback on about people oh, really? not liking the Kardashians, but. Um, you know, talking about, we'll use the Kardashians, remember Paris Hilton, and, and um, she did those shows, you know, all those shows. The, the image is so blurred of what is real and how anyone on the outside of the wealth can live up to that, and people trying so hard to do that. I mean, I see that in the gym, I see that in, in all age ranges, because yeah. obviously the Kardashians are you know, in their 30s and 40s. And so they're, you know, they're influencing a lot of people that are not just, I mean, except for Kylie and the younger yeah. set of the Jenners. But so they're, they're in that, that range. And it's such a blurry line for giving an example of what is real. Um, yeah. And so I think that makes, I think it makes for a lot of uh, teenagers struggle um, and not giving good, necessarily good positive images to bounce off of that is you know and having one of those people say um hey i'm i don't look like this all the time this is me being made up. they don't do that right i mean kim kardashian may a little bit i mean she's definitely i think admitted that she's not real right like yeah i'm motioning to all the parts um but i don't think that that lands on on teenagers or on people that are trying to be perfectionistic because they have such insecurities about the way they look or feel um and yeah and what they're thinking like emotionally and what they're thinking is this is behind the scenes this is the worst they look this is right this is the you know they, they don't see the struggle right to present what a, what the show is presenting right well and so if like if so back in the day i used to use the kardashian show in my class as well to teach about image and all those things and chloe the the sort of i think she's the middle child she's you know, I haven't seen 10 so, seconds so of the Kardashians so there's ever. Kim, yeah. Chloe, and Courtney. I shouldn't know this, but I do. Don't <laughs> ask me why, because I haven't seen the show in forever. But Courtney, I mean, um, Chloe, the middle one, went through a huge weight change over time. She was, you know, she was um, married to a famous basketball player. She had gone up and down at her weight. And then all of a sudden, she dropped weight. She looked totally different. She had lost all of her chest, essentially. She thinned out. She lost her butt. All these things that were very indicative of the Kardashian yeah. genetic line. And all of a sudden, she's this totally different person. And people were just like... And she was promoting um, uh, products to get thinner and do things like that. And so it was interesting because in my class, I would ask, how does how does one get like that? Do you think it was the product? Do you think it... Well, yeah. And you know, it would by by and large, come out that well, of course she had surgery. <laughs> there's, well, yeah. I mean, or or something happened because it just you can't. There's no if there were products out there like that that could do that. Right. Everybody would be using them, and that was it's the reality point of teaching in the class about um, how does that happen in less than three months that someone can go from being 
you know, 150 pounds overweight to looking like that. Yeah. And, you know, yes, and she, she works out and all those yeah. things. But, you yeah. know, so getting the the reality of the of the ideal in perspective so that one doesn't hurt themselves because that's what leads to a lot. So this is going back to your original question about teenagers and girls, uh, eating disorders and, um, you know, what we call parasuicidal behaviors when they're, uh, you know, the the conflict in your head over what you look like versus what people see versus what you see gets so difficult or dysfunctional yeah. that a you know person you know, girls tend to go towards self-harm like cutting uh binging and purging and you know doing all kinds of different things that are destructive to their bodies all in an effort to get to yeah this perfect thing that doesn't exist um it's got to be a struggle for women in general i mean Right. Get into your fifties, and again, what you're being, what's being put in front of you is celebrities all the time, and celebrities have surgery options, they have fitness options, they have right. things that you can't handle on a. Well, you could, but it would take more devotion than you're probably then willing you have to time give. For, right? Yeah. Well, and so I think so that trend has shifted at least. You know, the fact that it, you know the fifty is now the thirties kind of thing. You know that you can. You know, you can, a lot of women don't look at their fifties like right. they used to. Right. Right. Um. However, there's some... Remember when we were growing up, what, what 50 and 60 looked like? What did uh, fi when we were growing up? Yeah, as opposed uh, to what it looks like now. Oh, it's... Yeah. Screaming difference. Yeah. Screaming difference. I, I, can, I have a picture of my grandmother that when she was in her late 40s, and, and not by her facial, you know, her skin or anything, like, yeah. but she looks and she's dressed like she's 90. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but... But when she was in her 70s, she looked like she was in her 40s, like in person. But just that dress <laughs> and that time back yep. in that. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's the era and the generation of how people like, you know, dress and, and look. Yeah. But but now. And what you were supposed to be doing in your right, 50s and 60s. Right. supposed to be yeah. the shoulds and, yeah. and, and what is dictated by social norming for you to be. So when it's, you know, speaking specifically around women, you know, women aren't. I use this term loosely. Women aren't allowed to age without ramifications, mm -hmm. and that's that really hasn't shifted. It's just shifted to the products and the things geared towards women not being allowed to. You know what I mean by saying allowed, right? Yeah. Is that is that it's all pushed towards now? Like you, if you're 50, you need to look 30. Yeah. And if you're 30, you know you better look like you're 20, and so on and so forth. So it's it's a real it's pressure. Um, and I, I think that we've moved away from it a little bit, but really we haven't. I, I, I think that it's still very present in um, in the perception of constantly needing. Because men, men can gray. It's not as big a mm -hmm. deal. Um, men can get heavier. Not as big a deal. As soon as a woman has gray hair or she gains a little bit of weight, it's noticed and people are like, oh, look. You know, that's a... And so there's a mental pressure on that starting at young girl age. Really, because my perception from a male... Uh, context is that you, you talk about pressure and i'm sure it's there and this is probably a byproduct of it but women just seem to want to they don't want to accept that they, they don't want to accept the gray hair they don't want to accept you know they strive to stay looking in because they want to and i'm sure that's a, i think it's, a, it's unconsciously a, pressure but yeah I, unconscious I, think it's pressure. A, I would say there's a and i wouldn't say it's an equal split i would say that it's it's a Unconscious pressure, but I also think it's an active pressure of, of, of feeling like they want, most people want to feel okay and do good yeah. by themselves. But I think that there's a combination there of 
of you know not realizing that you're trying to keep up with the social norm. Yeah, and and men do it too. Sure. It's just it's just been more common to be obvious towards women. You you know look at all the magazines pushed still towards women. You see ads on social media, Facebook ads. Um, even in my my email account, I get pop up ads all the time for products, and I don't buy a lot of products. So um, I just exercise, eat right, and don't you know yeah. don't invest in all the right. stuff. Um, but I oh, I think invest that, is the right word. What? Invest is the right word. Right. I mean, it's incredibly and it is expensive. It's a huge investment. Yeah. Um, I actually, I mean, I have, I have brought products over the time of probably in the past ten years, and I went through a drawer last week, and I, Thanksgiving, I used this as a as a death clean, a Swedish death clean <laughs> of the bathroom. Did you? And I dumped drawers, and I I had products in there that I hadn't touched, never opened, that were all old, expired, yeah. and. It's an investment. I, there's pro- there were probably three, four hundred dollars worth of products. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that didn't get used. What yep. a waste, you know. Yeah. So noting to myself, like, don't buy that stuff because it's pretty. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you had a pretty package, and I'll use that. And I didn't use that. So, um, but I think that it's it's that um, it's it's marketed to us. I can say psychologically, we know that marketing goes towards certain things. You know, yep. there's a reason why packaging is such and such. You go into a grocery store, right? Sure. There's a reason why the kid's cereal is at a certain level and it's pretty colors and the, the you know, the impulse items. And it's all psychologically manufactured by industrial organizational psychologists to be able to right. consult to the marketing part of the stores. It's capitalism, so, baby. R- right. But ultimately, the gun's not to your head. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But... The gun isn't ultimately, but it is metaphorically in some ways because you want most people's mindset. This is that groupthink thing. You know, it's all psychological all yep. the time is that we're we're always going, oh, well, if I use that, I could look like that. And look at that. That's what it does. It says it does it yep. as seen on TV, you know, yep. and, and people buy into that because, well, it must be true because it's there. Yeah. Weight loss pills with right. along with regular exercise. Well, OK. <laughs> You, right. you can get there just for the regular right. exercise and a good cuisine. You you don't, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So so I I think that you know it's never it's never one thing, but it's always that combination of, of. It's not necessarily even unconscious. I think it's more subconscious. It's it's subtle and it's under the surface. It's yeah. not buried down deep. Maybe sometimes it is, especially for people that have more deep rooted psychological self-esteem kind of issues yep. sure but i think for most people that kind of keep in the the social norm of things on that bell curve i think that it's really a push for body image and physical image and how one portrays based on the comparison point in general of hey you know i'm gonna she's doing it so i'm gonna do that yeah i think um you talk you talk about public and influences and social media yeah. and stuff like that and that's there of course but doesn't almost everyone in their circle have that person Yes. Who's outrunning every day or, um, (laughs) or, well, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, And then, so, so you, there's. Or is very uh, upfront about staying looking young and and their appearance and stuff like that. And that creates pressure on you. Yeah. I I was, I mean, you're saying, and I'm like, oh, that might be me. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. Because I wrote, because I run, I, you know, I run. Just about every day. No, I was talking guys to guys and, and right. women to women. But we've, we've all got that guy in it. Yes. I've always got that guy in a circle who runs and is yes. in good shape. And yeah, I wish. Well, right, and you yeah. and so well, so I have a friend in my circle as well that always it always kills me because she can eat everything under the sun and she's skinny, skinny, skinny. And I yeah. just don't have the makeup. My genetics are not that, so I have to work extra hard 
to even get remotely close to yeah. that, which I'm not close to what she is, but but definitely people look up to like she's the runner. Yeah. She's she exercises, you know, just as much as I do, but she looks totally different than me. And so yeah. people definitely have that. And she's older by at least a decade and she looks amazing and you would never know that she's a decade older than me. And it's so I would imagine that that's And I'm going to get in trouble here, but well, but with women, appearance is a thing and you can tell where a woman is in her life, like for example, if you were to, t- I'm going to get in a lot of trouble here. But oh boy, I <laughs> should you, take a sip you, of my coffee. You talk a woman in her fifties, right? Mm-hmm. The level of outcomes for a woman in her fifties is very wide, and it always seems to be like, for example, we talked about very vague. We, well, I'm, not, I'm trying not to get too, <laughs> not trying to get in too much trouble. We talked about uh, our aunts and our grandmothers when we were younger yes. at a certain age. And, like, yeah. for example, certain women wear, if they're in their 50s, they they wear the given-up shoes. Yeah. Or, or cut their hair or, you know, which is not always a sign. But And then there are women who dress like, no, you know, I'm, I just happen to be in my 50s. I'm not, I don't dress like I'm in my 50s, right. you know? Right, right. So I, so I think that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm dragging you in. Aren't I? <laughs> I, I had that stop because yeah. I okay. So so the stereotype of I think the traditional looking is you know certainly there, right? Yeah. I think that current day you see less of that tradition. Yes, uh, and and more of just kind of like, well, I'm I may be in my fifty. You know, someone will say, oh, how old are you? And you say, it, and they're like, oh my god, you're that yeah. old you know, yeah cringe um but but you look so young right so i think it's i think that it's because people dress and it's now more socially norm that dress how you feel not for your age right um you know you know and there's still that little messaging out there because i definitely have it in some of my practice you know patients that will say oh you know i'm gonna be 52 i can't you know i can't wear that i'm like why not yeah why not yeah. why not well, you know, I don't want my kids to think, who cares? Your kids are in their 20s. It doesn't matter. Why does it matter? You know, having that. But that's the the dialogue that happens often. So I imagine that's pretty common for yeah. a lot of people. I know in my friend group and my, like, that's a common, I have one friend that's turning um, a certain age this year and she's like, I, I'm not doing this. Yeah. I'm, and, you know, I'm never going to turn that. And, and. So, so she's, you know, waxing and waning between how it feels to actually be the number versus how she actually right. feels. And um, I'm, I'm waiting for the the midlife crisis episode to happen. And the, oh, we're God. right on the day or two before her birthday, we're going to have a little meltdown. I can see it coming. <laughs> Women have midlife crises, too? Yes. Everybody has. every So yeah. there's a continuum of midlife crises. It can be basic, like, you know, um, getting Botox, you know, dyeing your hair. Yeah. Um, taking a small trip to the extent of, um, you know, buying a motorcycle, buying a brand new car, um, having an affair. Those are all in the continuum of the extremes, you know, like yeah. going really, you know, up the extreme, uh, getting divorces, changing whole life. I mean, right. people go th- all people go through them typically. And this is anecdotal um, in my experience is typically men. And it is research-based, too, because I was like, oh, I teach about this a little bit from intro to psych. But um, men typically go through the more extreme versions 
um, and women tend to do those little, I call them dabblings, you know, like, you know, change my hair color, um, cut it, grow it out, you know, change my clothes, do my, you know, something different. Whereas men will do like, I'm going to buy a sports car. Yeah. Well, my experience is men have been specific like that. I'm going to buy a sports car, get a motorcycle or, you know, whatever it is. And women tend to have, um, women tend to almost change their lives completely. It's like they yeah, got it's like an overhaul. I've got to get into yoga. Or I've got to right. get into you know they they just get grab a new perspective. So so there's a so the stage of you know women in um, in terms of like you know it's mental and physical health you know between like 35 and 60 turns into being more generative like really trying to generate what their life is versus you know coming up through its most men and women are very much about I, me, they get together, yep. they have family. And then once you're in your thirties, forties, it's really about generating something bigger than yourself. That's the mindset yep. that's like developmental to the age stage. So it's really about that. And women, parenting largely in what parenting largely. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Parenting, yeah. largely. parenting a career and, and, or, or just, yeah. And then ending up after they've parented whatever piece that's there, parenting themselves or reparenting themselves into something that feels um, not stagnant, right. not stuck, um, not, you know, that has forward movement so that you don't go into your, you know, 70s or 80s feeling like you have uh, no legacy, no feeling of, uh, or, you know, regret. Well, so, the typical uh, the typical maturation process for men and women, I think, is you get out of high school, you go through college, you find a certain personality. Right. Then finally, in your twenties, mm-hmm. mid twenties, hopefully late twenties, then you get married, and you give that up. You turn you you turn into you turn into a family. You turn into a parent. Right. And you raise the kid, and then the last kid goes to college, and you're looking around, and you got to reform yourself. Right. So well, so that's one of the things I work on with um, both men and women in in their you know in their twenties, or they're coming into like a time when they're going to get married. I talk about those particular issues about how. You know, not losing your own identity that, you know, marriage isn't about being uh, codependent. It's about right. being interdependent and having your own identity so you don't lose yourself in it. And, um, you know, do a little bit of that uh, premarital kind of counseling to get people into a space where even if they're just dating, getting in the mindset that you don't lose yourself over to somebody else. You make sure that you maintain who you are so that you don't go into the more traditional sense of, you know, like I hear a lot of my clients will say like, I don't want to be like my mom and dad in that way. Yeah. I don't want to be stuck that my mom didn't get to leave and go and do what she wanted to do or, uh, you know, or right. she had kids early and then she, her life ended. Yeah. <laughs> I get that yeah, one a lot, well, you know? Yeah. And so I, I, I try to help foster the mindset of you don't, things don't have to end because you get married or because you have children, you can move on. Like my parents had me and I went everywhere with them. Like they, that was a mindset that they had, which I think is really important and good is that you don't just say, oh, well, life's over now we're stuck at home. And just this little unit is, there was movement always, which was a benefit. Plus Um, it's positive for the child, I think, to be able to model a whole person. Yes. And how many times, you know, especially in in our generation, how many times did you grow up and finally get a look at your parents and go, oh, that's who they are, you know, when they let the guard down and you're in your 20s or something and you get an idea of who they are. When they, All they were showing you was the mom and dad facade. Right. Right? Right. So modeling a whole person, even with some weaknesses and with some right. strengths and dealing with things, I think that's good. 
And and I think it right. And so and, and you know, if you don't have that, that's okay. It, but it just have to be if you're in your 20s and you're trying to figure out, okay, now how do I do this? You have to be aware of where those little pieces are that are, you know, challenge areas. Yep. So that you can actually it's not fix them. It's it's adjust for them and make sure that you don't feel like you're going to have to give up something that you don't want to. Right. Um, and I think that people are so all or nothing. It's a, you know, again, the mindset of you, and, and particularly, unfortunately, and I don't think this will get me in trouble, it's a, it's very female traditional that females have had to give up, you know, and, and yeah. they're the stay at home, and, you know, that's the traditional. And even though there's men and women get married and they go to work or, you know, men and men get married or women and women get married and go to work, there's still that little piece of the traditional, like, yeah, but there's that, oh, sure. well, you know, the roles, the, the standard roles. Um, I have... Which is why the empty nest thing is harder for women, I think. I mean, it, it, it affects men, but it, it's harder for women. It's, and, it, it, and it's hard on relationships. I have a lot of people yeah. that end up in divorces and... I try to help preemptively strike, you know, with, with couples that I work with that are, you know, I've had for a couple of years or I know that their last child is getting ready to leave that if they've had a rocky relationship and the only thing that's holding them together often is that they've stayed together for their kids. Yeah. And it's, you can see the writing on the wall that once that child goes off to college, you can feel the split coming yeah. and saying, like, is this what you want? Trying to, to see it beforehand to... Right project out that is this what you want or do you want to work on it because people so if you do it you do it consciously as opposed to just letting it happen to you right exactly because that's that's what a lot of experiences i've had you know especially in the beginning of doing this work years ago is i'd have couples come in or or you know single people of the couple and talk about that and be like oh well you know just fell apart it's like well there's some active awareness here that you could have to do, is that what you really wanted? You know, people get disconnected, and that's how what happens is they lose sight of. They become too independent and lose sight of the interdependence, because they forget that they're there as a partnership, and they split off. Yeah. Five years before they actually split, because they're so disconnected emotionally. Right. Um, and they're invested in other things, and and their role is changing, and they don't know what to do. Kind of like retirement. Yeah. This, now, this is very common. So when I began my career, mental health-wise, men, um, I used to work at McLean Hospital in Belmont, Mass. And, um, you know, the the famous one with Sylvia Plath. Yes. Right. Um, and uh, I, I was in the geriatric ward, so I would see a lot, of, a lot of men coming in that were either just retired or getting ready to retire in their late 60s and having massive bouts of depression, like sure. major depressive disorder. And... By and large, it was because they didn't have anything else to identify with other than work. And I learned very quickly back in the 90s when I first started doing this work is help people in their 30s and 40s establish, if they're my client, establish like activities, hobby-based habits that are going to be continuing on no matter what. Even if you're 90, you can still do them in good health. That you have to be able to have that because if you don't and your whole life is work, and you come home, you have dinner, you have a glass of wine, whatever you do, and then go back to work the next day and go on vacations twice a year, you come to a screeching halt in retirement. And then, you know, the mortality rate at the time I started working in this field, the mortality rate on men who were retiring and or suicide rate was really high because people, because men didn't have the purpose and something else to look forward to. Well, society ties 
right. male Again. worth to work. productivity, to right. work. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. And that's, so there's a trend. So we've talked about females, but now, you know, there's a trend in men that has changed. And I think that it's a cor direct correlation, anecdotally speaking, because I don't have the research on it, but I think it's a direct correlation to the fact that we've become much more psychologically savvy to know that men are men are more than just their role and men have come up to be now taught that men are more than just their role of being productive at work that family is really important the you know the father movement of fathers are important kids lives movement that has helped change yeah. men's dynamic very much which is huge it changed the laws in Massachusetts i think down in i think 2010 the divorce and child laws changed um around you know, men not always being the ones that didn't get the kids. Now men are much right. more likely to share equal custody or get primary custody over females sometimes more than ever. You know, back back in the day, it was if, if a father had custody, it meant something was really bad with mom yeah, right. versus yeah. now it's not like that. And, you know, people still think it's like that in terms of they see a kid with their dad more of the time. But it's really because laws have changed to be more fair towards male mm -hmm. quality. Um, which is good. And so you see a shift psychologically in all of the things that um, give men purpose so that it's not just driven home socially that men's only reason to be is to work and just be productive. It's really to be a full person, just yeah. like it's been shaping for women. You know, the women's rights movement has been a shape for full equality, but men come along in that as well. And men have their space that they have to have that as, as, as equalized. So I'm always trying to make sure that when people are talking, whether it's male or female, that they're looking at their whole person and, and all the pieces like a puzzle to make sure they feel whole so that when they get to be 70 and they retire or 60 or some people at 50, they're not stuck. Yeah. Because mental health issues come very fast. And people don't realize it. They're like, I was never depressed. I was never anxious. I never had any issues. And now all of a sudden I don't feel right. Well, right, because you were working well, to, to bury it or you were doing something else. Well, exactly. To, you know, it was there. It just, you were suppressing it. For men, working was a guard against right. rumination. Right. It, it took mental energy. It took, it took focus. <clears throat> and it kept you from, you know, from dealing with stuff. Right. thinking. You sit home for a week. Right. You know, and all of a sudden you got stuff to deal with. Right, and, and and it's and it's and you're hard. not in the mood for it at 65 or 70. Right. Yeah, which is why it's so important to have other things that don't they give purpose, but they don't have to be. Um, the productivity shift in the head of the way one thinks about it is different, so that it's equal, it's as important, but it doesn't have to be producing the couple hundred thousand dollars a year or if it does it's something else that they're doing or they're giving back to the community right or they're doing something that's influencing um the community or the younger generation or giving something back which is you know that's why volunteer usa and volunteers of america and all those things gears towards people to start young and just but volunteer and give volunteerism a huge piece of their life you know i mean you know that i do that and yep. i think that's a huge piece of just being, you know, if, if everything else wasn't going on, I could still volunteer, and that still gives you a sense of purpose. And it's not, there's no money. Yeah. <laughs> there's no money. But that's okay because, well, I mean, it's not okay if you have nothing else to live on, but it's it's okay for the fact that you're giving back, and that's a good feel, and you need to have that sense of purpose to be able to exist in the world healthy. 
it struck me in this discussion that what the key takeaway here is, and it's a big mental health key takeaway, is yeah. just awareness yeah. of these issues because we let so much happen to us. Yes. And we find ourselves, you know, we turn a corner mentally and we find ourselves in trouble. Yeah. And it's because we haven't thought about it beforehand. When your child is 13, 14, couples should start thinking about, well, what is this going to be like when, right. you know, when it's just us again? Right. You know, and what do you want it to be and start working towards it? Uh, when you're going to retire, what is that going to be like? How is it going to affect me? Mm -hmm. And how do you start working towards it? Right. Awareness usually brings action. Well, exactly. And yeah. so, so in my practice, I mean, obviously this is the, the show today so that if someone's hearing it, you know, certainly be thinking about it. But or the teenage practice, girl who's uh, eating vegetables because she's worried about her, her body image. Right. 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 It's, it's, it's about just being super aware. And there's nothing wrong with eating vegetables. No, but, there's nothing wrong yeah. with that. And, and, and so in my practice, I say that to people. I, I think every single person I talk to, I'm always asking progressive forward questions of, you know, what's it going to be like in two years when your kids leave? What's it going to be like in a year when you go away to college? How's it going to be for mom and dad? You know, I do it from whoever's on the side of some big changes happening because life transition, this goes back to when I was working at McLean, is that life transitions are so important because people don't like change. Yeah. And it impacts males and females equally but in different ways. And so kind of we've had this theme today of, talking about females and how things get impacted in men and they're both impacted but they are impacted in in socialized ways to them for their gender um so being able to talk about how is this going to play out down the road and that's with anything like say someone's not having um, th their marriage isn't going well and i say well what is it like visually in a year from now if you're divorced where do you live how much money do you make who are your friends, you know, going through, you know, what do you lose in the divorce? What do you gain in the divorce? You know, mm -hmm. and all these things that people just don't, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's quick thoughts. Like I'm just going to get a divorce or I'm going to leave or, or this isn't going well. So I quit. Yeah. And what does that change? What does what it does look that, like? What does it look like? Yeah. So that's, that's the big question always for me is what does that look like? And, and people usually it's the awareness is like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Right. Well, we have to know what that looks like. And often people will say, well, what does that look like to me? And I'm like, oh, I could give you the answer, but yeah. you have to think about it. And that's hard because you have to look at change. Right. People don't like change. Yeah. And look at... Well, people have different relationships with If If you were to describe what you think it looks like, you would give out something you think is possibly a negative and someone would look at it, oh that's great right. they look at it as opportunity exactly right. Yeah. so right so not giving my right not giving my opinion because my opinion would be for me and yeah and I, do i know the answer a lot of times yes yeah but i i need for someone to come to it on their own with just guiding to you got to be thinking about what it would look like so right. if you're not thinking about it and i'm thinking about it for you i'm doing your work so, which people like having you do, yeah, right? Yes. I just had that yesterday in my office. Like, what does that look like? And I said, I don't know. You have to tell me what you want. And they were like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have to think about it, you know, and thinking is hard. And oh, one of my favorite golf tips, the first necessary step to getting what you want is understanding what you want. Exa right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And so, um, and often when you ask the question, when I ask the question, what is it that you want? People can't answer it because they don't know, but they do. They'll say, I don't know. And I say, but you do know. Yeah. But it's hard to say what it is you want for a variety of reasons. There's, 
it, you know, people sometimes feel like they can't ask for what they want. They don't deserve what they want. Um, it's, you know, not humble to ask or say what they want. You yeah. know, people have been raised to be... They want what they want, but they don't want the path to what to they it. want. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and then sometimes it gets shifted around with, well, do you want it or do you need it? And some things you actually need, but most of the time it's you want them. And how do you right. get what you want? So, you know, but people going back to what we were saying about is sort of procrastination of like, oh, I'll, I'll wait, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow. It's kind of like the thing of if you're retiring or you're getting ready to empty nest or you're having major changes and you keep waiting for it to happen and not having anything uh, productive in line of action, it comes up very fast. Well, getting out of those ruts, getting out of those routines, right. getting uh, the action is usually getting out of the path that you're on, out of, right. uh, out of the cycles that you're in. Right. And that takes work. And, and people aren't always in a mental space where they're ready to do that work. Well, and, and I think that that's And a it common, bothers people. And that's a common psychological um, block, yeah. is that people want instant gratification, and they want quick fixes. I mean, that's probably the biggest theme in my practice uh, across the board for all the 20-something years I've been doing this, is that, you know, people are more successful when they do the work, <coughs> but there's always people that don't want to do the work yep. and come back. Yeah. So I call them, I've talked about this before, the help rejecting complainer. Yes. Right? <laughs> the, the help rejecting complainer that I want you to help me. I heard your advice. I went and tried it. Yep. <laughs> Note the air quotes. I went and tried it. Not really. And I'm going to complain about how it didn't work and then blame me for it and now need something else to do because it didn't work. Right. Well, it didn't work because you didn't do it. Yep. And you're going to complain about it. And I'm very upfront, as you know, straight yeah. shooter, that I'm like, you didn't do it and that's fine you didn't do it but i can give you another thing but you're going to come back to me a week from now and tell me the exact same thing because you're not ready well that psychological aspect that you talked about about products and grocery stores and right. just advertising and things like that that's all designed to sell us the quick fix right this will fix that problem right and nothing fixes that problem right yeah no it, it, there's there's no and i think i said this a few shows ago is that there's no overnight success yeah but people think, oh, they did it overnight. No, they didn't. There's a process. You don't you don't get to be in your your bad yucky spaces overnight, and you don't get to yep. be in great great awesome spaces overnight. It takes time and work and effort. And you know, I have people that go on their self pity at times, yep. which is fine. And they're like, but it comes so easy for blah blah blah. It may look like yeah. it comes easy, but there's dues paid on all ends. So something that, you know, somebody that, you know, kids compare to, to themselves to each other, like, oh, my sister gets math so easy. And I always point out, yeah, she gets math really easy, but she doesn't do great at reading. <laughs> or, yeah. you know, I point out where there's a deficit, that there's a struggle because the comparison points are never fully fleshed out. So you can put that in any comparison point to right. anybody across the board with anything is that it doesn't come fast. And so mental health, physical health, you know, if you gain 25 pounds, it didn't happen overnight. If you right. want to lose 25 pounds, it's not going to happen overnight. If you, um, are if your marriage is struggling, it didn't happen overnight. Right. Exactly. So yeah. it, it, it's, it's got that common thread that there is no instant in and there is no instant out. People don't like that. Right. <laughs> Especially when they come to, um, come to therapy and, and I'm, I'm a very structured, like solution focused therapist. So, I, you know, it's very directive to give like good push to have movement. So, which isn't 
uh, is it too strong to say that isn't common? It is not common. Yeah. It is not common. So, um, because most therapy is, most therapy I've found is kind of vague. Uh, and that's so, uh, so I think, and I don't know this for sure, but I think the feedback I've gotten over the years with the clients that I have that have stayed with me for a long time is that the comparison point to the therapist that they had before was it was too, I use the word squishy. It was too much like, all, it was all about just feeling, 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 which of course we do. Yep. And there's lots of validation, but it's then my stance is always, okay, you feel that way, now what are we going to do about it? Yeah, exactly. Instead yeah. of let's ruminate over this for the next three years, which is, so the so these clients I'm talking about would say, that's all we did and I outgrew that because I didn't want to do that anymore because it was not, I wasn't going anywhere. Right. I was still stuck with the same problem or I still felt bad, but and oftentimes I didn't want to leave the therapist because I didn't want to hurt their feelings. <laughs> so, you know, and so, and I'm like, well, you, you know, I had a client yesterday that I've had and I, their fa other family member sees me and they were like, I'm going to, I, I want to see a guy. I'm like, okay. And not have hurt feelings. And then he said, well, I don't want to, I don't want to hurt your feelings. I'm like, you're not hurting my feelings. Yeah. You do what you need to do. And I think he wants to see a guy because he has some things he doesn't feel comfortable saying to me. And yeah. I can't push him to do that. So, but it's about being able to say, absolutely do I that. Would, and I imagine he's going to be back. It's just funny because I would never see a guy therapist. It's, it's, it never. Is, it's a preference point. I know men. <laughs> <laughs> he can't help me. There you go. <laughs> I need a higher level of thinking. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. and, I think, and I think that that's why I said, and it's not being... Um, Ego driven here. No, is it? No, I think I he'll be back. Yeah. I think I think he has something that he's gonna go, realize that he could just tell me and be back because he's comfortable with me and he's like I'll probably you know come and you know I just need, that's fine. Meanwhile, it's gonna take him six months to find someone that can get him in right now. Yeah, but that's a real yeah exactly because there's so that, many people. That's a really important step, a really important difference because you can sit there and you can talk about things yeah. with therapists normally and there's a lot of link back you know, to your upbringing and, you sure. know, what's behind it and stuff like that. And you have those discussions. And then it has to be the point where, how do I apply this? Right. And I don't know. I kind of, all the therapy I'd gone through, I kind of got there myself. And well, and, and that's the point. Yeah. You want to get there with your, by yourself, or not by yourself, but with a, with a, um, a supportive base. Yeah. That is, is helpful in guiding you there. So that's how I see, like, my work with people. And I think... Again, I think my clients, if anyone's listening, they would, you know, that sees me would say, I provide a groundwork to kind of lay the path and I give advice, but not, not directive advice. It's, it's more, I'm pointing you in a direction. Right. There might be four directions I'm going to point you in because I always lay out all choices and it's not, you need to do this. That's obviously a no, no, but it's, here's the way you've been thinking about it. Here's the four ways I think about it. And those are all options to you. Yeah. And then, then it's there's the path, and now you, it's your choice to figure out. And maybe you might come back and have a fifth thing on there that you decided to come out. So it's more about just being able to be open to show the alternative generation, which is part of cognitive behavioral therapy. So I'm a cognitive behavioral. But your path evolves, therapy. doesn't it? Yes. I mean, you start down you, you start right. down a road and you get a couple steps, and yep. this should work like weight loss. And I remember it was kind of interesting because the whole weight loss thing for me kicked in the therapy work and all the other work I was doing. Right. 
because I was using the same techniques. And it's right. about once you get some gains, you start to build momentum right. and you start to crave a little bit more and you do what works and you, you let go of what doesn't right. work and you, you just evolve. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so that's it. So backing it up a little bit, the way in my mind, good therapy works with you help a person open their mind up to alternative generation, right? So you generate alternatives that weren't there, but they were there, but the person couldn't access them because they did. That's why people come to therapy. It's because they're stuck. Yes. Because they're thinking unidimensionally and they can't, they're repeating the same thing over and over getting nowhere. So my job and to help is to help someone become successful by generating alternatives, showing them how, teaching them how to be aware of what's really in front of them so they don't feel stuck with the one thing that they came in with and now it's teaching a pattern of when you have a problem present itself how do you then cognitive behaviorally generate action around it to make it move and so I teach that skill to eventually have a person be able to do it on their own so that and that's a great that's one of the mastery skills of therapy is if your client can leave your office and integrate your process into their lifestyle to do it on their own. So it, I have clients who come and say, I, I had this thing happen at Thanksgiving with my family. And I thought, what would Dr. Kim say? Or what would Dr. Kim do? And immediately it came to me and I did it. So yep. having that's, and it's about, you You know, I'm the object, I'm yeah. the object of the integration because they can hear me saying, what's a different way of looking at that? Is that working for you? This or goes back to what we were talking about with, um, like marriages and the empty nest and all, right. all that, it, it's the difference between letting stuff happen to you right. and processing it. Right. Right? Right. Because things don't just happen to you. Right. You're a participant. Right. And often, and we've talked about this before, often you're in more control than you think you are. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right. And, and Almost as always, as, actually. As soon as you realize that you're in more control of your situation than you thought, yeah. things change. Things turn. And you yeah. oh, Wait a second. And sometimes that's the question is like, what are you in control of here? So when people realize what they're not in control of, it's easier to back it down. Oh, wow. Well, at the end of the day, no one's going to die. No. That's, that's, a, yeah. that's a very famous quote in my office is like I say, is at the end of the day anyone going to die? And they're like, well, no. I'm like, well, do you really need to worry about that? Yeah. What's that doing for you? You know? Now, exercising and, process is important. And often that's just verbalizing. Yes. Because the thought of taking an emotion and putting it into words Always difficult for me. I mean, I've been a writer all my life. Right. And my, you know, I could have a tattoo that says words mean things. It, it's a very important concept yeah. to me. So when I start to reduce thoughts to words, I'm very, uh, I'm very uh, fastidious about it. Mm -hmm. And that's the processing. That's, that's, you feel an emotion, and if you don't focus it, you right. don't understand what's going on. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think that what you were saying about, you know, words mean, it's that, that, right there can change a whole mental attitude off of a word flip, like an alternative generation of a way of saying right. something. Or just making you say the word right. to focus what it is exactly you feel. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah because it, it, it channels it channels. Am I angry? Energy. Am I scared? Am I intimidated? Right. Am I right. you know And 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 you know, there's so many cool things about doing therapy like that is when you teach someone that words matter even to your own self-talk you know when someone's like oh man i you know i just suck yeah versus that was really hard and i didn't do that so well so i'm going to try it different the dynamic energy and they both mean the same thing yeah 
but one is just toxic and negative and just drowns you. The other one is like forgiving of self, acknowledging that there was not a, there was a deficit and the possibility there's good things coming. And people will be like, oh, but that's so cheesy. Well, yeah, but that actually works and it moves yes. you because that actually, I mean, one's mud yes. and quicksand and one has air and movement and and positivity to it and it's not cheesy it's not it's not schlocky it's literally like hey there's movement there you might not believe in it because you want to believe in the, the the quicksand but that has movement and this goes back to something that i've said all the time since i've started doing this work on myself it's like i had all these things as an athlete yeah i had all of these things as an athlete all these skills i needed all the ability to do it and as an athlete i processed all this stuff beautifully couldn't bring it to real life and it's really about taking some of those skills. I mean, yeah. what does the football team do? Over. They right. sit and watch the film on Monday. Right. Right? They right. don't they don't sit there with I sucked yesterday. <laughs> right. They sit down, they they break it down and I don't mean it's it's a chore. No. I mean they process they it. They process it, yeah. right. To see where they can generate alternatives to what happened that didn't go well. Yeah. And to integrate what did go well so they can repeat it next time. And it's usually and that's in a group setting which People will take the weight off you a lot of times. Right. It's like, oh, I shouldn't have thrown that pass. And, and then you get into the discussion and go, well, you couldn't have seen that guy. Right. Or, you know, if I had moved this way, I would have helped you out a little bit. And these are discussions you don't have with your group, like your your husband or your kids or things like that. Right. And ultimately, you'd want to be able to do that. Right. And, that, and you know, you want to be able to do it for yourself as an individual. Because, you know, when I work with individual athletes, that's important as a life skill to transfer over for their own. But also as a team. Families are teams. Yep. And so when I do family work, I talk to them about it being a team. I use, you know, the Patriots, you know, yeah. New England, talking about, like, teams work well together when they work well together. Yeah. Um, cliche or not. But it's part of that is self-scouting. Uh, a husband and wife say, I, right. I'm sorry I get angry at you say I feel bad that I did. Right. Well, you know, I kind of egged you on a little bit. Right. You know, right. and being yeah. able, being vulnerable enough and being to able to, insecure enough right. to do that is, is important. And it just relieves everybody of... Because it's always two parts. Yes, it's almost absolutely. never. It's, yes. it's almost never one side. No, exactly. And mm -hmm. so, and and teaching that skill, teaching that skill is, you know, when it's family therapy or couples therapy, that's a large part of it. Is is teaching that there's both sides. Doesn't mean it's fifty fifty no. all the time, but there are two sides to to the issue. You know, often you know, very common really quickly is like you know one person's completely over the top doing something and the other person like i have nothing to do with this blah 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 and it's like well but you're enabling it yeah. <laughs> because you're doing something and then all of a sudden it's like oh yeah and then it's the aha moment of oh by doing that behavior while they're doing that even though you're not doing anything you're actually enabling them to continue yeah you know and it's it's very um primitive it goes back to almost childhood roots typically in those kinds of scenarios in couples is that that happens. Yeah, that's where we get to the childhood. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's the point. And look at the time. Yes. I know. See, we were just getting into all kinds of extra good stuff. Wow, yeah. we were, that was a, a, a great run of topics today. Um, so, and I'm still congested from the smoke in the bathroom. <laughs> and I can't wait to get off air and blow my nose. Um, but uh, I was going to say that if you have not seen any of my podcasts before this, certainly go and catch me on any of the your favorite podcast channels. Yes, you can see the podcast on the Facebook page. You can hear the podcasts on Google, Google Apple, Spotify. Spotify yep. Right. But you can see it here at Facebook and your daily gain face. And um, next week we will we're coming into the holiday season yet again. All right. <laughs> so so we'll, well this be one ramping. worked out okay, so I'm upbeat. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's good. That's yeah. good. Um, so everyone have a fantastic week. Behave yourselves and um, have good health.